0: chapter nineteen when lighthouses are dark by ethel c brill this LibriVox recording is in the public domain nineteen tracks in the snow ralph woke at dawn shivering with cold in spite of his covers lawrence and jack were still sleeping getting out of bed to light the fire never was a pleasant task but that morning ralph hated it worse than ever the first move he made hurt and it was all he could do to get out of his blankets and on to his feet. He was lame all over from the hard work of yesterday. Every muscle was stiff and sore, and he felt anything but cheerful as he looked around the little room, cluttered and disorderly, cold and cheerless in the faint morning light. The fire-making disturbed Larry. He moved sleepily, groaned, opened his eyes, stared stupidly about him a moment— "'started to sit up, and dropped back with an exclamation. "'I feel as if I had been pounded all over,' he said. "'He made another effort. "'I was mistaken,' he muttered. "'I haven't been pounded. "'I've been stretched on the rack, "'the way they used to torture people.' "'So have I,' Ralph retorted grimly. "'But I had to get up just the same.' "'Their voices aroused Margaret and Jack.' but Ralph ordered them both to lie still until the room was warmer. He and the Larry had to go for more wood, and by the time they returned the others were up. They both complained of lameness and muscle soreness, and Jack's frosted foot was so sore he could not get his shoe on. A warm breakfast helped them all a little, but they were a rather disconsolate quartet. Going to the other harbor for a load that day was out of the question, "'but the labor of digging some drift-logs out of the snow "'and a thorough rubbing that Ralph and Lawrence gave each other "'helped to take the soreness out of their backs and limbs. "'It was bright the next morning and very cold "'when the two boys started on their long trip back to Smith Harbor. "'They had made a fortunate find at the fishing station, "'a large sled with iron-shod runners, "'and in spite of sore muscles, they went at good speed.' "'snowshoes and empty sleds slipping easily over their trail of two days before. "'The one real drawback was the cold wind. "'Ralph suggested that they try going across the point instead of around it, "'cutting off a considerable distance and avoiding the worst ice ridge. "'But when they reached the spot where a short trail led from their rocky shore "'to the fishing camp, they clambered over the rocks, "'getting the sleds up with difficulty.' THE LADS HAD DECIDED TO TRACE THE MYSTERIOUS MAN. NOT KNOWING WHAT SORT OF A CREATURE HE MIGHT TURN OUT TO BE, THEY TOOK WITH THEM A SMALL RIFLE THEY HAD FOUND IN NEWT THORSON'S CABIN. LEAVING THE SLEDS LOCKED IN THE FISHERMAN'S HOUSE, THEY WENT BACK TO THE HOLE IN THE ROCKS AND FOLLOWED THE FOOTPRINTS. FROM THE SPRUCE, WHERE THE MAN HAD CLIMBED OUT OF THE RIFT, THE TRACKS LED THROUGH THE WOODS TO THE SHORE OPPOSITE THE LITTLE ISLAND AND ACROSS TO THE RUINS OF THE CABIN. There, the boys paused to examine the remains. The kitchen had suffered less than any other part of the house, and the stove was unharmed. There were also a few cooking utensils and other things left unhurt. Some cans had burst with heat or freezing, and the contents had been cleaned out by man or animal. None of the things saved from the fire had been left on the little island. Ralph and Larry had been careful to transport to the fishing camp, everything they could not take on their first trip to the lighthouse. It was singular, however, that they found no half-burned, scorched, or water-soaked provisions. Evidently, anything of the kind that might have survived the flames had been carried away. Many trails led back and forth from the burned house— in addition to human footprints, there were the tiny claw-tracks of birds, the neat paired prints of squirrels, and the larger marks of hares. One trail had been made by a larger beast, for the marks were like big cat-tracks. The human tracks led to the shore and formed three distinct trails across the ice in different directions. The boys were at a loss which to follow, but they finally selected one that led them across to an island— then to the shore and into the woods to a clump of small balsams the man had apparently forced his way into the centre of the clump for the branches were broken and bent from the balsams the trail was more perplexing to follow the forest was thick under the trees there was much less snow and many patches of ground were bare with some difficulty the boys trailed the man to the little shanty they had found on their first day on the island "'Around the shack was a confusion of tracks. "'The door stood open, and the room was in greater disorder than before. "'The man had been there beyond doubt, but he was not there then, "'nor was there any sign of the food he had taken from the ruins of the cabin. "'If indeed he had taken it.' "'Well,' said Larry, looking at his watch, "'we can't follow him much farther today. It's one o'clock.' Ralph was examining a track leading from behind the shack. "'Let's go a little way along here,' he said. "'I hate to give up.' The track led into the woods a little way, circled about, and came back to the shanty. They could not discover another trail leading away from the place. "'He's tricked us somewhere,' said Ralph. "'Left the track, climbed a tree, and come down on the other side, perhaps. "'We haven't time to hunt for him any more today.' I DON'T BELIEVE WE CAN MAKE THE LIGHTHOUSE BEFORE DARK NOW. COMPELLED TO GIVE UP THE SEARCH, THE BOYS HASTENED BACK TO THE FISHING CAMP, ATE THEIR LUNCH, AND LOADED THE TOBOGGAN AND SLED, GOING OVER TO THE BURNED HOUSE FOR THE STOVE. THEY COULD NOT TAKE THE LOADED SLEDS DOWN THE ROCKS, SO HAD TO GO OVER THE WORST OF THE ICE RIDGES, BUT THEY HAD BROUGHT AXES AND COULD CHOP A PATH. THE JOURNEY WITH THE TWO SLEDS WAS A HARD ONE. By the time they reached the lighthouse, they had traveled more than twice as far as on the previous trip, and were almost exhausted. They were too tired, even, to appreciate the wonderful aurora borealis with which the northern and western sky was flaming. But their welcome was a cheerful one, with a warm room and a good meal. In spite of their weariness, the lads set up the stove in the room where they had first found the bedstead, and made a fire to see if the chimney was all right. The stovepipe they had brought was not quite long enough, as the room was somewhat higher than the cabin kitchen, but they fortunately found an extra length, rusty but without holes, in a closet under the tower stairs. While poking around among odds and ends in that closet, Ralph made another find— "'a great round lantern with a reflector. "'It was made to burn kerosene "'and probably had been used as the headlight of a boat, "'a sailing vessel, perhaps. "'They examined the old lantern with curiosity, "'but never thought of its having any practical value. "'I wonder if these cans of milk are frozen,' "'Margaret remarked as she was putting away the supplies. "'I don't suppose it could hurt milk to freeze.' BUT IT MIGHT BURST THE CANS, SUGGESTED LARRY. I'LL PUT THEM IN COLD WATER FOR A WHILE. THAT WILL DRAW OUT THE FROST GRADUALLY IF THEY ARE FROZEN, AND IT WON'T HURT THEM IF THEY'RE NOT. THE NEXT DAY WAS SUNDAY, AND THE BOYS WERE ALL GLAD OF AN EXCUSE TO REST. MONDAY HAD TO BE DEVOTED TO GETTING A SUPPLY OF WOOD. WOOD-CUTTING WAS ALWAYS HARD WORK. WHERE THEY MADE THEIR FIRST CUTTINGS, THEY COULD NOT GET THE SLED IN AMONG THE TREES, AND AFTER FELLING A TREE, HAD TO CUT IT UP INTO LENGTHS AND CARRY OR DRAG THEM OUT. IN THE AFTERNOON, MEG INSISTED ON GOING WITH THE BOYS TO PICK UP BRANCHES. JACK'S FOOT WAS TOO SORE TO ALLOW HIM TO ACCOMPANY THEM, BUT THE OTHERS KEPT AT THE JOB, AND BY NIGHT THEY WERE ALMOST AS TIRED AS IF THEY HAD BEEN TO THE OTHER HARBOR. They had the satisfaction of seeing a good pile of wood and branches behind their dwelling, though. In spite of that hard day's work, they felt they must make a trip to Smith Harbour the next day. At any time, a severe storm might cut them off from the rest of their supplies. A new misfortune awaited them at the fishing station. Holes had been gnawed in some sacks of dried beans and peas, and a quantity of them carried away. This was obviously the work of squirrels or rats— a small hole in one corner of the floor showed how the rodents had entered the storeroom. "'It's lucky we came today,' said Larry, "'or they might have carried away all of those beans. As it was, the loss was serious enough. A snowfall the night before had blotted out the old tracks of the sneaking man, and there were no new ones. For the time being, there was no way of trailing him. In all their lives, the two boys had never worked so hard as during those days.' their backs legs and feet were lame their hands and wrists chapped cracked and frostbitten. their faces rough and sore from the biting winds but it was of no use to grumble they must keep fed and warm and they had no one to depend on but themselves they tried to stick to their work without complaining though they could not help being a bit discouraged now and then little jack hardly realized the worst of things he helped Meg, and after his foot was well, went with the others for wood. But Margaret realized. She would not let Larry and Ralph help with the housework, not even with the washing, because, she said, they were getting the worst of the work anyway. However, they had some compensations. The old stone house, warmly built and cemented over on the outside, was, in spite of the winds that whistled around it, considerably warmer than the log cabin there were six rooms on the lower floor but they used only three the room where they had set up the stove was the living room in one corner they placed margaret's bed and a box for a dresser the room with the fireplace the boys used for a bedroom jack had the cot and the older boys built rough bunks which they filled with balsam and cedar branches they were careful this time to use only small fans that could be stripped off easily, and to lay them smoothly, one layer thatched on top of another, with the butt-ends thrust underneath. After considerable experimenting, they produced springy, comfortable beds. In that room, they kept a small fire during the day, putting on extra fuel morning and evening. A fire in their bedroom seemed like a luxury. The front door was locked, and as they had no key, they went in and out through the kitchen. The rooms in the upper story were of no use to them. End of chapter 19